Hallelujah. I want you to help me look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, say you're making impact. Yeah, when your church makes impact, you are making impact. And uh, on behalf of all the pastors that came, we took more feedback than this. And, you know, it was just a wow experience for them. And a lot of them are going back to engage their communities, engage people better, be more accountable, run the church better, and trust God uh, to, to turn our nation around and the nations of Africa in Jesus' name. I'll say it better. Amen. Yeah. All right. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 9. Second Corinthians chapter 9. I'll read from verse number 6 as we start a round of the teaching series on the liberal soul, uh, which is, has been a, a, a teaching series on giving. Uh, from next Sunday, we're moving to a new teaching series, which is on prayer, getting stronger in the spirit. Uh, we're going to be focusing on prevailing prayers, teaching how to pray, uh, and all that, and we're going to be praying a lot in the service. In the midweek services, in the month of March, we're going to be speaking to the subject of overcoming spiritual attacks, engaging in spiritual warfare, biblical spiritual warfare, to gain victory in the place of prayer. So you, you want to be a part of that on Sundays and Wednesdays. Don't miss any part of that. You have to revive your prayer life. Nothing happens until we entreat God to move on our behalf. And there are biblical prayer pat- uh, patterns that Jesus gave us that if you follow it, we are bound to have victory in the place of prayer. Some things have to move. And the place of prayer is the place where we move them. That's what we're focusing on in the month of March. And from next Sunday, we're starting this teaching series on that. Let's read a scripture today from 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I'll read from verse 6 to 11 as we wrap up this teaching series on the liberal soul, getting stronger in generosity. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he proposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for the Lord loves a cheerful giver. Look at this. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, always having sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, His righteousness endures forever. Now, may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruit of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all liberality. You are enriched in everything for all liberality which causes thanksgiving through us to God. Praise God. As we wrap up this subject and discuss, I mean, this morning, I'm discussing what I've titled Positioning for Harvest. Positioning for Harvest. I, I want to let me tell your neighbor, say, it's time to position for a bountiful harvest. Now, if you're here this morning, maybe it's your first time uh, um, in church in a long time or something, and you haven't been a part of this series. And maybe you can't really say that, you know, uh, you have any seed in the ground. I'd love to start out with you by encouraging you to get the messages of this series and listen over and again. Two Sundays ago, we're teaching, uh, we're teaching about 
New Testament giving. The patterns in the New Testament were established the fact uh, that a, a New Testament believer is encouraged to be a cheerful giver, is encouraged to give sacrificially, is encouraged to be motivated to give, not just for what you get, but as a lover of Jesus Christ. We establish the fact that giving, there are two proofs of giving. One is ability to give and ability to forgive. Sorry. There are two proofs of love. One is ability to give and ability to forgive. If you love someone, you will give to them and you will forgive them when they offend you. Yeah. That's real love. Real New Testament love. And if you love God, you also give to God. You give to God. We establish the fact that giving is not just an act that we carry out or something we have to be coerced into doing. Giving is a major part of stewardship. All through the, 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 the Bible, when Jesus was talking to his disciples, trying to raise disciples, he spoke too many parables about giving. To establish the fact that a major part of his discipleship-making curriculum is to teach how to overcome greed. For instance, in Matthew chapter 6, uh, when you read from maybe about 22 or so, Jesus started to say things like, no man can serve two masters. It's either you love one and despise the other. So you cannot serve God and mammon. Jesus was saying, if you want to be a fully devoted follower of me, a disciple of my disciple, all you need I mean, first and foremost, you need to deal with greed. A man came to meet Jesus in one of the Gospels and said, Master, I want to follow you, you know, and all that. And Jesus said, uh, um, yeah, have you done this? Have you done that? Have you, you know, loved people? Have you? He said, oh, everything I've done from... Jesus said, okay, if you have done everything from your youth, then go. Give away all that you have. And then come back and follow me. The lesson was this. Jesus was not trying to impoverish the man. He was trying to gauge his heart. The level of greed, if we put a greedometer in your heart, what is, is he, is he reading very high? Has God helped you to break the hold of greed or you are still struggling with greed? Because Jesus said, go, give out everything and come and follow me. Ah, the Bible says, and the man left him sorrowful. Obviously, he wasn't coming back. Bible says because he had great possession. But we should flip it around to say the reason why he left sorrowful and he didn't follow Jesus was because great possession had him. Yeah. He was not the one that had the possession, possession had him. Yeah. Money is supposed to be a means to an end, not an end in itself. Greed says money is an end in itself. Get all you can. Can it and sit on the can. And anyone that roam around your can, kill him. Yeah, that's, that's what greed says. The Bible says, there is he that scatters and yet increase. There is he that withhold more than is necessary and it tended to poverty. That's greed. Many Christians are suffering with greed. And that's why they are not making progress in their spiritual experience. Part of the greed is when you come to church and all you think about is how you are going to be blessed, not how to be a blessing to anybody, including the kingdom of God and God himself. 
Such people will argue a lot about giving. And a lot of that happened in our country last year. They unleashed on the church, generalized all the pastors, you know, and said all kinds of things. Pastors were called thieves, arm robber, different things. And God is seated in the heavens just looking. Okay. I know my own, and my own knows me. Not all the pastors are okay, but this one that you're talking about, all of them like this, I'll deal with you. Yeah, it's true. And some people will be dealt with. Yeah, for desecrating the altar and just talking anyhow and running their mouth. Yeah. The Bible says to his master, he stands or falls. Who are you to judge? Another man's servant. Another man's servant. Not your own. Yeah, that's what the scripture says. That notwithstanding, when somebody is going on the wrong path, sometimes we say, we say the truth to them, but not in form of generalizing, because some people who are still trying to find their faith in Christianity are discouraged just because of that. Some people bastardize Titan and say all kinds of things about it. It's Old Testament, it's this, and any pastor that asks for people to give tithe is a thief, is a robber. Nothing can be further from the truth. I taught on that about three Sundays ago whether it's Old Testament or New Testament. We have the Ten Commandments, for instance. Sabbath. If you don't rest, you'll be late to rest. It has nothing to do with Old Testament or New Testament. God said, in the, in, I said in the Old Testament, the reason why God made it laws is because these people are coming from slavery. The only thing they understand is law. In the New Testament, we're free from slavery mindset. We make decisions that will make, move our lives forward, aligning with God's divine principles without being put under any law. But there's responsibility for freedom. Freedom is not free. Yeah. The burden of freedom is responsibility. The moment you gain freedom, responsibility is placed on you. Yeah. When you say, if you are here and you are a young adult, you are over 18 and you have celebrated it, what you are celebrating is responsibility, not freedom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What you are celebrating is actually responsibility, not freedom. Because the burden of freedom is responsibility. Paul was writing in the New Testament. He said, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Now that we are under grace and we are not under the law? No. Grace does not connote lawlessness. So we are not under the law does not mean that we should not recognize that God wants us to love him. And if in the Old Testament, they loved him, they obeyed his word by giving 10% to him, the least a New Testament can do to demonstrate responsibility to the kingdom of God is that 10%. That's the least. That's the least. Because all through the New Testament, people ask questions, how come Paul did not tell them to give tight? How can you be telling people who are giving everything they have tight? You are, you, are, you are bringing them to kindergarten of giving. Go and read. Read Acts chapter 4. People were selling... Before Acts chapter 5, when Ananias and Sapphira lied, they joined other people who have been selling their houses. Is that tight? And I say, why is Paul not teaching tithing? When people are operating at level 5, why do you want to bring them to level 1? Read your own Bible. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 8 from verse 1. Paul was talking about the church at Macedonia. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, when you read from verse 1. He said in verse 2, in the death of their poverty. Can you put it up for me, please? Don't waste my time. Put it up, please. My time is fast. Thank you. Yeah. I'm sorry, the way I said it. I'm sorry. But it's just I was watching time. Yeah. He said, if anyone, no, 2 Corinthians, sorry. 2 Corinthians. Yeah. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse number 2. That's what I want. 2 Corinthians 8 and 2. 
that in, the, in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and the, their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. In verse 1, it talks, he said, put verse 1 for me. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. This was Paul talking about a particular set of churches around Macedonia. That in their great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in riches of liberality. Look at verse 3. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing. When you write like this about churches. You don't tell them to pay tithe. Paul was saying, look at verse 4. Imploring us with much urgency that we will receive the gift and the fellowship of their ministering to the saints. Verse 5. And not only as we had hope, but they first gave themselves to the Lord then to us by the will of God. Paul said, it wasn't only their hand was seen. We're seeing their heart also. God wants your heart before He wants your hand. He said, They give themselves to the Lord. Jesus said, Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. And where your heart is, that's where your treasure will be. If you can't trace your treasure to the kingdom of God, your heart is not here. You're just showing up. Your heart is somewhere else. Your body is all that we're seeing. Yeah. It's a simple thing. Matthew chapter 6, you read all through. Jesus said, Don't, don't, don't. Don't worry about money like unbelievers who have no God. Don't allow greed to finish your heart. God needs that heart. When greed holds somebody's heart, God cannot touch that heart. So I'm hoping that this teaching will leave us with grace for giving to break the hold of greed over our hearts. Some of us already have more than enough, more than we need. But yet, we hold tight. When you hear anything about giving, you want to run. Why is there, I mean, why is it that the instinct for survival kicks in when you hear about giving? It's the fear of poverty that works like that. That's spirit of poverty in operation. Somebody who has been delivered from the spirit of poverty, when you hear about giving, you settle down. It's an opportunity to be a blessing. When you see somebody who has a problem, you don't want to run. Somebody is crying. I have not paid school fees, and you are running. They say, God, God will help you. God will help you. You are already going. Yet, it's not like you can't help. But you are already calculating. Uh, it's 15 million that is our account. If I give somebody 500,000, that's 14.5. Ah! I'm reducing. Yeah, because you have a mindset that you are reducing. That's the spirit of poverty. Something tells you that you are getting poorer. Not knowing that giving is a gateway to receiving. The pathway to more is to unleash that which you have. There is he that scatters and yet increases. And there is he that will told more than is necessary and tends to poverty. Glory be to Jesus. That's Proverbs 11 and verse 24. There. Proverbs 11 and 24. So, can you hear me ask your neighbor, are you free from the spirit of poverty? All the politicians stealing our money. You know what is worrying them? 
spirit of poverty. Yeah. Can you imagine somebody who has three billion in one account and you submit them for a transaction or for something and they are still asking for anything you have? Somebody who has three billion in an account who is still ready to collect 200,000, 250,000 to facilitate something. That's spirit of poverty. They, it's all about anything that's available, just bring. <laughs> you know some people, when you see big people with spirit of poverty, they will collect 20K from you. Yeah. If that's all that you have, just anything you have, just bring. They are collection agents for the, for, from the pit of hell. They collect on behalf of the devil. Yeah? Collect from the rich, collect from the poor. That's the spirit of poverty in operation. Yeah. You get to the government houses, government agencies, ministries, people are there, gatekeepers for hell, collecting anything that people have. Yeah. And you wonder, what are you doing with this money? Some have a humongous amount of money, big money, yet they will collect anything. You can collect five naira from a young boy. That's the spirit of poverty in operation. Always wanting to collect. Because something tells you that even if it's one cent, you are getting richer. Running away from poverty, not knowing that the spirit is in them. <laughs> because poverty is not lack of money. It's lack of solutions, lack of ideas. Yeah. And also lack of the blessing of God. You can't be blessed and be poor. If your head is working right. Yeah. Glory be to Jesus. But after we have given, we need to recognize that God wants to give us harvest. So let me speak to that quickly and tidy, tie this all up. In Mark chapter 4 and verse 26. Mark 4, 26. And he said, the kingdom of God, Jesus describing the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is... If, as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep night by night and arise by day and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. For the earth yields crop by itself. First the blade, then the head. After that, the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately... It puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. For somebody here today, I announce to you, your harvest has come. Amen. For everyone who has been faithfully giving as we go into the month of March and for the rest of this year, enjoy unusual harvest. Amen. In the name of the Lord Jesus, Amen. the Lord will remember your offerings and sacrifices Amen. and cause the windows of heaven to open on your behalf. Amen. In the precious name of Jesus. Harvest answers to seeds. With viable seeds planted in the ground, a harvest is guaranteed. You know the kind of song we sang at the beginning of the service? I'm expecting double, expecting more. If you have seed, eh, you have seed in a jar, and you carry it, and you're going around. I'm expecting double, I'm expecting more. I'm living in the overflow. Even the devil will be laughing at you. But you can imagine a farmer that has seed and has gone to spread the seed and then go back home and says, I'm expecting double. I'm expecting more. Even the angels are dancing with you because they know your head is correct. 
You've done the right thing. Yeah. You've done the right thing. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Harvest answered to seed. That's what happened. Harvest answers to seed. But we need to also recognize that there's a time lapse between seed time and harvest. According to Genesis uh, uh, chapter 8 and verse 22. The Bible says, if the heart remained, seed time and harvest shall not cease. God instituted the principle. In the world, it's called the law of cause and effect. You do something, you provoke something. Yeah. Seed time and harvest shall not cease. Harvest answers to seeds. Anyone who tells you that you don't have to give to God to be blessed. In the kingdom of God, is lying to you. You can work hard. Blessing does not mean money. Can I say that one more time? Yeah. You know, if I have a fan here that is blowing and you are enjoying the breeze from the fan, the breeze that you are enjoying is not the blessing. The blessing is the electricity that is powering the fan. The effect of the blessing is the breeze. Am I saying the truth? Yeah. When we localize the blessing of God to money, we are reducing the power of God. Anybody can make money. Anybody at all. If you understand the principles that govern enterprise development, you know, and, or you do a good job, you are, you are a solution provider, you will make money. So money in itself is not the blessing. The Bible talks about the blessing of God that makes one rich and had no sorrow. Yeah. In the days of Abraham, the father of this faith, there were kings that had resources. But when God blessed Abraham, what happened is that they wonder how Abraham was just, everything around him was just multiplying. Yeah. Apart from that, Abraham became the most secured personality on the face of the earth. Because God said, whoever bless you, I will bless. Whoever curse you, I will curse. When God becomes your shield, when God becomes your caretaker, that's the blessing. Yeah, that's the blessing. The blessing is also spiritual resources. Galatians chapter 3, and verse 13. Verse 14 says that the blessing of Abraham may be upon the, uh, the Gentiles. That they may receive the gift of the Spirit, the promise of the Spirit by faith. Yeah, see verse 14 of Galatians chapter 3. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that they might receive the promise of the Spirit. The blessing is the promise of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. That's why I can have tons of money and I will still be okay because the Spirit is at work in me to will and to do of God's good pleasure. Money without the Holy Ghost can lead to destruction. Marriage will scatter. This will happen. You have enough to buy any kind of drug. I mean hard drug. Because there are people who have billions. But from 7 a.m. to midday, they are on grass. Just lighting up and smoking their life away. Their day starts from 1 p.m. And at that one, they don't even know whether they are on heaven or on earth. Everybody's waiting to see them, you know, so they, they, they have money. Is that a blessing? I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. So we, we can't reduce the blessing of God just to money or material resources. Because some people say, oh, what about this person, this one of these richest people in the world, uh, they don't pay tight, yet they still have money and all that. You know the truth? We're not in the same kingdom. 
I cannot be comparing myself to somebody who doesn't operate the same principles that I operate. Money, you don't have to be a child of God to be rich. No. Anybody that tells you that you should be born again so that you can be rich. Jesus never preached that. He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He didn't say, follow me, I will make you a billionaire. Yeah. When you follow him and you have been made fishers of men, you can become anything that you want to be. Yeah. We are not in the kingdom for money. You have to have that at the back of your mind to be somebody that is free from greed. Glory be to Jesus. Praise God. So recognize that there will be a time lapse between seed time and harvest. Nature of harvest. Let me help somebody to recognize your harvest very well. Harvest comprises of tangibles and intangibles. By tangibles and intangibles, I mean sometimes your harvest will come in terms of discounts, rebates, dividends, witty ideas, inventions, protection, preservation of health, money, creativity, gifts that people just bless you, favor, open doors all around the world. That's harvest. Divine exemption from evil is harvest. Psalm 20, when you read from verse 1 to 3, Psalm 20 and verse 1 to 3, it says that, can you put it up for me please? Psalm 20, verse 1 to 3. Say, may the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob defend you. You see, an unbeliever who is rich cannot pray this prayer if it's not connected to the covenant. If it's not connected to the covenant, you can't pray this prayer. It says, may the God of Jacob defend you. May he send you help from the sanctuary. The sanctuary that you have been a part of and that you have been a blessing to. And strengthen you out of Zion. Zion, meaning the house of God, the collection of the saints. Verse 3 says, may he remember all your offerings and accept your burnt sacrifices. In the day of trouble, we all call on different people. Depending on which kingdom you are. So if you look at them, and uh, somebody who is not a follower of Jesus Christ, and you say because the person is rich, um, and the, whichever way the person is living, that's the way you want to live. In the day of trouble, we'll see who you will call, and if you will call the same person, the person is calling. There they will tell you they don't know you. Because this is where you belong. This is where you should call. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Harvest also comes in form of new opportunities, new frontiers, open doors. It can be an experience or an encounter with God. See, it's a dangerous thing to live a whole life without times of encounters with God. Solomon had an encounter with God in 1 Kings chapter 3. He did something that God had never seen before. Nobody had offered a thousand burnt offering before Solomon did. God showed up in his dream that night and said, what do you want? Giving sometimes precipitates an encounter. To prove my point again, Genesis 22. After Abraham 
laid down Isaac. And God said, don't worry. I, I just want to see your heart. Then God showed up. Genesis 22. And God said, by myself I have sworn. In blessing, I will bless you. Genesis 22 from verse 15. In blessing, I will bless you. In multiplying, I will multiply you. God can swear over somebody's destiny when he sees your heart towards him. I pray in this season that God will swear over somebody's destiny here. Sometimes in a lifetime, you don't need more than one encounter. Yeah. But you can precipitate an encounter when you show a heart of love towards God, especially through giving. Glory be to Jesus. Harvest can be perennial. Lasting over a period of time. Harvest. Some people are listening to me this morning. The way you are working with God, and being a blessing to him. The harvest is not a one-season harvest. Your grandchildren will eat from it. In Genesis 26, Isaac, in the day of farming, was getting water from the well that Abraham dug in the time of Abraham. Other people couldn't get water to water their flock so that their businesses can prosper. Isaac was still benefiting from the well that Abraham dug. That's harvest that is almost everlasting. And to prove that the covenant of God was working, when the Philistines saw that he was getting water from there, they, they quarreled with him. They said, it's our well. They said, no, my father don't. They said, they took it from me. Then the Bible says he went down to the valley and dug another well and he met water. They had been digging there. They didn't meet anything. The poor sand on that one too. If anybody is covering your well, whatever well means to you, I prophesy over you this morning. Dig again and you will meet water. In the name of Jesus. Step out again and the God of the covenant, the one that you honor with your tithes and offerings will show up for you. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Somebody listen to me this morning. Somebody watching on the internet. The last time you were stranded will be the last time forever. As you start to honor God as an obedient covenant child, you will no longer be stranded in destiny. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I prophesy today that as we go into a new month, enjoy unusual open heavens. My God will remember your offerings and bond sacrifices. And send you help out of his sanctuary. In the name of the Lord Jesus. And for anyone here who is getting his flow in giving. I pray over you today. That the grace for liberality is released over you. The oath of greed is broken. The hold of the spirit of poverty is broken. In the name of the Lord Jesus. You leave this service this morning with an abundant mindset, not a lack mindset. Because God is said to do exceeding abundantly more than you can ask or imagine. Lastly, this morning, a time of harvest is a time of hard work. In Matthew chapter 4 that we read there, Jesus said, the time of harvest, you put a sickle on the harvest. Seed sowing sometimes is easier in terms of activity because you just drop seed and do good and all that in time of harvest you show up it's hard work hard work proverbs 10 and verse 5 said it's a shameful son that sleeps in harvest you show up you put your sickle 
you do everything that you need to do. You are there, serving, you know, showing up, knocking the doors, beating down the, the, the doors and the walls. You are on ground in the time of harvest. So you preserve the harvest, you move fast and get things done, and you'll be diligent. Harvest sometimes is more hard work than seed time. Even when you go to the field as a farmer, seed time, you plow the ground and you put. Harvest time, you bring a different kind of machinery, and it involves a lot more. So don't leave this service this morning thinking, I bless God, I've sown, I've brought, let me just go and cross my leg in my office. No. So as we go into March, you show up. April, you are on the road. June, you are on the road, knowing that God is at work within you to will and to do of his good pleasure. Lift your two hands to him this morning and bless him and just appreciate him. Bless him for his goodness. Bless him for his goodness. Somebody who desires something this morning, will you communicate to God about it? Somebody who has a picture of his harvest, will will you call it forth right now? Call it forth right now. Call it forth right now. Call it forth right now. Glory to Jesus. Call it forth right now. Call it forth right now. Call it forth right now. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Father, we bless your name. Father, we bless your name. Thank you for the overflow. Thank you for the overflow. Thank you for someone moving from not enough to more than enough. Thank you for indebtedness wiped out. Thank you for unusual supply to come out of indebtedness. Thank you for projects that will finish supernaturally this year. Everything that has been delayed is receiving the life of God right now. Right now, right now, right now. And the hold of delay is broken. The heavens are open. The heavens are open. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, remember someone sacrificed here. Push that file on their behalf. Let that email get an attention this week. In the name of Jesus. Wherever someone's name here will be mentioned this week and in this new month, favor will follow it. They mention your name at a board meeting, favor follows it. They mention the name of your company at a government office, favor follows it. In the name of the Lord Jesus. The book of remembrance is open. Heaven reckons with your tithes. Heaven reckons with your sacrifice. Heaven reckons with your seeds. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you. And we bless you. Take all the glory. In the name of the Lord Jesus. See, with all this bowed. All eyes closed just for the private.